You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That's right. We went away, but we're officially back, just like the Sith. It's Rule of Two. Your host, Darth Amin. I'm joined by my apprentice, Anthony Mays. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left y'all, but man, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff that's happening. Last really three or four days, Mays, right? Oh, wait. We're doing Star Wars today? Why did I binge watch all of Stranger Things 4? <laughs> oh, because you wanted to understand that Domino's commercial that comes on all the time that I don't get at all. I I'm confused by. See, you get a pizza in the upside down and the crust is on top. Well, that sounds terrible. But no, no. We'll talk about our Hawkins heroes battling Vecna and all the other endless plot lines happening in the fourth season of Stranger Things Another Time. We gotta get back to space, I mean. Oh, man, so much space. So much space. Like a wide-open Jimmy Butler three-pointer. There's so much space over here. Of course, I think most of you guys are tuning in because you want to hear us break down Obi-Wan Kenobi. First two episodes dropped last Friday, and we're gonna do that. We will get to that. Kind of give you some broad strokes there as we get ready for episode three that drops on Wednesday of this week. But Star Wars Celebration, which is basically the Star Wars specific Comic-Con, is taking place this last weekend in Anaheim, California. And this is the first celebration that I haven't attended, Maze, since 2017. Why? Did you have something else going on? Yeah, a little thing called the NBA Playoff. Oh, damn. Also, that Disney hookup doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Used to get a red carpet, baby. There's no pirate ship pass, Star Wars celebration. Maybe next year. Next year, it's supposed to be overseas, so we'll see. But Maze, the funny thing was, I saw it was happening. I was like, ah, it's no big deal. I don't have to go to it. And the FOMO has been eating me alive <laughs> for two reasons in particular. You might say, well, I mean, they're streaming all of this stuff. You can you can just look, you can watch the live streams. It's like you're there. And I'm like, yeah, except they do this every celebration. They release things that are exclusive to the in-person crowd. So 
Number one, Mandalorian season three trailer. It's out there somewhere. We're just not allowed to see it. Yeah, that's tough. This is how desperate I am, Maze. I've watched YouTube videos of people describing it. That's real FOMO right there, folks. Super FOMO, super FOMO. It's almost like listening to a podcast about someone who went to a basketball game. <laughs> no, it's next level, right? It's like listening to a podcast of someone who watched the YouTube video of someone who was at the event that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's all right, man. We're all in this together. The new season of Mandalorian trailer dropped. We know that Bo-Katan is back in it. It's going to be centered around Mandalore, the reconquest of Mandalore, and the rift between, I guess, what you call the mainstream Mandalorians and the weirdos who grew up on Concordia. Which is what we predicted, to be fair. That seemed like the most natural evolution of this storyline. So that's cool. Giancarlo Esposito is scheduled to return Dr. Pershing is in there. We know that my man Grief Karga is back in there. Mando! A lot of our favorite characters and actors are all going to be reprising their roles in season three. So very excited to see that. I, I try to find leaked versions of it, and Disney is on a rampage. Things are not staying up longer than like five, ten minutes before they're pulling them down. Speaking of another exclusive maze, did you see this Tales of the Jedi? Tales of the Jedi. This is a new animated anthology. Every episode is a standalone episode, and it is about the Jedi of the prequel. A lot of backstories. I watched the trailer for that. It was literally someone recording it. You can't get more desperate than this. Probably three quarters of the screen is like this guy's hand, <laughs> and then there's just a thin <laughs> strip above where we're watching what's happening, and it's kind of backstories. You see Ahsoka as a child. We see a young Count Dooku, and that should be pretty cool. Light lifting type of thing. It's scheduled to come out fall. Mandalorian season three is scheduled to come out, I believe, February of 2023. Those are the two exclusives that they showed only the audiences in Anaheim this past weekend. They got to give the people something for showing out to Anaheim. You know, they got to give them a taste. So I'm sure that you'll be able to get your fix of your specific brand of spice later on, I mean. Yeah, it's funny because I remember the last celebration I didn't go to was 2016. It was the one in London. That was when they revealed the first look at Rogue One. And their version of Rogue One, what they showed, had rebels running on the beach with the data tapes in hand and all that stuff. And that scene never appeared in another trailer. It never appeared in the movie. It was a alternate reality Rogue One that those people there saw it, and it never came out. I remember seeing, again, stills and seeing a kind of grainy, poorly captured cell phone video. That was it. That was also scrubbed off of the internet. Other things that are coming, Maze, trailers that we actually got to see. Andor, the Cassian Andor backstory. Speaking of Rogue One, Cassian Andor was one of the main rebel spies who helps Jin Erso. He's actually the one that's hugging Jin Erso at the end of Rogue One when the Death Star destroys the base at Scarif. His was one of the first ones announced when they first said, we're going to do Star Wars TV shows on Disney+. Plus. It was Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, and then Andor. Those were the three first ones that they announced. Maze, how do you find Cassian Andor as a central character 
to support a whole show around him. I'm less concerned about the central character. I'm excited for this one. It's kind of creeping up my power rankings, honestly, because Tony Gilroy has announced that he's got the whole thing mapped out. Gilroy has confirmed that the upcoming series, which follows Cassian in a tale set five years prior to Rogue One, is just getting started. Twelve initial episodes are on the way, which will move the story one year forward. Then the cast and crew will gather together once more in November to shoot another 12 episodes, which will take us over the next four years, and the final scene will walk you into Rogue. So I trust his vision, and I feel like Cassian will be a good vessel to introduce us to a lot of interesting political and military intrigue. Yeah, Diego Luna joked in his panel that the one thing he knows for a fact is that his character won't die. Because, of course, he's in Rogue One. Yeah, it's like Better Call Saul. Yeah, so the fun thing I want to see, Maze, more than anything, is I want him to be kind of dark, doing some things that are super unethical. Because that's kind of what he alluded to in Rogue One. He talked about, we've all done things that we're not proud of or whatever. Is he telling Jyn Erso basically like, no one here is a Boy Scout. So I'd like to see what those things were for Cassian Andor. And of course, his backstory of like, how do you end up becoming a spy for the rebellion? Like what kind of trauma does he have to go through in order to arrive at that place? I'm always for all these Age of the Empire era shows. Everything's weighing heavily on everybody. I suspect based on the trailer it's going to start in the age of the republic because it looks like he's a child and i do see clone troopers in there so we'll see how that goes future callback to clone troopers by the way we'll get to that in a second mm. cassian andor comes out this august so we won't have to wait that long for that speaking of clone troopers bad batch trailer drop that comes out fall of 2022 we pick up where we left off with the Bad Batch with our clone Troop 99 and, of course, their clone sister, Omega. Can you do a good Omega voice, Maze? <laughs> I'll have to work on that as this season moves along. <laughs> yeah, a little Australian. Or is, I guess, New Zealand because that's where Tamara Morrison is from. Bad Batch. Okay, so that's, again, this is the same thing. It's like, okay, clones are being phased out, and these guys are kind of a rebel clone group. What do you think the story goes there, Maze? I actually haven't watched Bad Batch. I don't know if I'm allowed to admit that. Really? If I'm allowed to admit that on this podcast, or I'll be cast out. But yeah, I haven't done that one. No wonder you couldn't do the Omega voice. Her name's Omega, by the way, but like, because she's got the New Zealand accent, she, she pronounces it Omega, which I think is both irritating and very delightful maze why haven't you watched bad batch irritating and very delightful hmm, i wonder if there's yeah another character we'll be talking about today that might fit those descriptions why haven't i watched it i mean i watched the first two and honestly the introduction of omega just felt a little aiming towards a younger audience and kind of catering the storylines to that. And it just didn't feel like something I wanted to invest my time in. I'm sure that I'm wrong. Yeah, I feel like she's more of a MacGuffin than anything else. We get some very cool appearances by some Clone Wars characters. We also get a character who is from one of the live action series who has been retconned into the animated series. That's a fun transition to see there. So I would highly suggest watching Bad Batch, man. And, and again, it's like it's set in this time or a time right after the Galactic Republic is over and you see the transition happening, the transition from clone troopers to stormtroopers. If you've ever wondered, how do we get to stormtroopers when we got all these clones everywhere? Well, Bad Batch explains how that transition happens. 
and why stormtroopers are so bad compared to clone troopers. That's not on accident. Let's see what else dropped. We've got a couple of things that are in production. One is the very anticipated Ahsoka. Everyone's excited for Ahsoka Maze. You goddamn right. They already cast Natasha Lou Bordizzo as Sabine Wren. And we saw first images, or at least they saw. I had to work my sources to see my pictures. But <laughs> they showed the first images of her as Sabine. And I'll be damned, she looks a lot like Sabine, man. She looks like short haircut Sabine. This casting call was 10 out of 10. Of course, we get Rosario Dawson reprising the role of Ahsoka Tano. We're going to get Hera back. We don't know. There's not a confirmation, but there's a lot of suspicion that Vanessa Marshall, who voiced Hera Syndulla on the animated series, will play Hera Syndulla in the live-action Ahsoka show. And speaking of which, Van Marshall also does the voice of one of the characters on Red Dead Redemption, too. Remember there's a camp where it's got like all these people and there's an old lady there. She's one of the voices. She was on Levitard show a long time ago and she did the voice for us, which was pretty cool. Do the voice. Yeah, do the voice. <laughs> chopper. We're going to get a live action chopper, which I've seen at Star Wars Celebration before. A chopper model that's out there. Also, if you've ever watched the Star Wars Rebel recaps that would happen after each episode when that show was on, Andy Gutierrez would do like a little interview of Dave Filoni, of Pablo Hidalgo, of all the people over there at Lucasfilm asking about specific things from the episode. And in those little recaps, there'd be like a live action Chopper running around and making noises and stuff. So Chopper will be there. Ahsoka, it's in production now. I found out they're doing it in Manhattan Beach, Maze. How about that? When you have the volume, Manhattan Beach can be anywhere in the galaxy. Dave Filoni mentioned that he's working on the show and there's a good deal of people in the crew and people making the show who are young enough where they grew up watching Ahsoka and Sabine, you know, watching these shows, Clone Wars and Rebels. And it staggered me. I was like, how is that possible? Then I remembered Clone Wars is like 18 years old. Yeah. Started pretty much right after the original trilogy. He said the first day when Rosario Dawson and Natasha Lou Bordizo show up on set and they were in full regalia. There's a bunch of the people working, they just jaws dropping. So I could see their childhood flash before their eyes, which I thought was a very cool thing, you know, a very cool moment. It's cool that the people who make Star Wars are all huge fans in their own right. I feel like they put more care, I guess, in, in some of the stuff. And we'll talk about that in a second, too. Oof. We've got Star Wars Skeleton Crew. This is a show that we know precious little about. It had a very weird code name. You know, they always give these weird code names for shows before they officially reveal the name. Wolfpack. Shout out to Freddie Prince Jr. Right. So do you know, Maze, what the code name for Star Wars Skeleton Crew was? No clue. Grammar Rodeo. That was the code name. <laughs> Grammar Rodeo. Okay. <laughs> More on code names coming up in a little bit. Skeleton Crew is in pre-production, so we don't know when that's going to drop quite yet. But it's John Watts who did all the Spider-Man movies for Marvel. And? And who recently dropped out of the Fantastic Four, which is interesting for our Marvel podcast to be released. But we're talking about Star Wars here. And who's starring in it, I mean? Jude Law. We know it's about kids who get lost in the galaxy. And if you're listening to Cinephobe, you probably said, easy, Maze. 
I don't know if these jokes are supposed to cross over between other cinematic universes. Do they have crossover appeal? No way to find out, but to keep making them, right? <laughs> ah, exactly. That's all we know. And we don't know if Jude Law is a bad guy, is a good guy. We know almost nothing. We just found out the name, ladies and gentlemen. It was called Grammar Rodeo, for crying out loud. You know what we do know for sure, though, I mean? What's that? It's not a movie. Yes, that is true. And did they announce a movie at Star Wars Celebration? Do any of your sources tell you about any upcoming movies? Not anything concrete. We know that Ryan Johnson is still getting his movies, but he's busy with Knives Out, so... Not anytime soon. Maze, did you hear anything about movies? No, man. Seems like they're kind of giving up. <laughs> they're even trying to spin it like, nah, this is the plan all along. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... I mean, people remember that Kenobi was supposed to be a movie. It's true. And by the way, I'm glad that it's not a movie because now we get six episodes. They get to take their time with this as opposed to like cram stuff in. couple other things coming down on the horizon maze there's a vanity fair article about the acolyte have you heard about the acolyte yes the acolyte is the leslie headland series set way in the past yes 100 years before phantom menace the high republic that vanity fair article was very interesting because first of all i didn't know that she was that big of a star wars fan she's reading timothy zahn novels and playing the knights of the old republic video game and all that stuff so like she's deep in it you know like people say oh i'm a huge star wars fan but you don't really know but she went into very descriptive detail man oh. he's talking about why she wanted to do so first of all she was the one that pitched it to lucasfilm to kathleen kennedy did you know that i mean it all fits the profile right like who's asking for this story about the high republic like this has to be coming from someone creative she said one she would never want to do something with existing canon characters like luke skywalker it would terrify her because there's so much care you have to have when you're working with existing characters placing it 100 years in the past gives you the freedom to create really create you know in the same way that deborah chow who's behind obi-wan she said working on mandalorian was fun because it got to create it was a bunch of characters that were created so there was a lot more freedom whereas in obi-wan there are parameters you, you have to be constantly cognizant of so the other thing was like just the description of like you watch phantom menace and you say how did we get here how do we get to the point where palpatine can overthrow basically the government one man can overthrow an entire government how does a palpatine even happen right mm -hmm. how did the sith manage to stay beneath the scene because at the end of the day by the time we're watching these star wars movies the sith are a formidable adversary but there must have been a point where the Jedi thought they were all done and gone. So it's almost like an underdog story about the Sith. It's almost like the opposite of what we're dealing with in Obi-Wan right now. Yep, exactly. And finally, finally, Maze, and I'm excited about this. Star Wars Jedi Survivor trailer came out. 2023 is when it drops. It is the video game sequel to the highly popular Jedi Fallen Order, which follows Cal Kestis a Padawan who escapes Order 66 and then rediscovers his connection to the Force later on and tries to rebuild the Jedi Order. One of the most fun video games I've ever played. If you're a Star Wars fan, even if you're not really into video games, it's worth it to pick this up and try to play it because you get so much rich content and new content. And it's all canon. All these people exist. There's a rumor maze that we might see someone from... Jedi Fallen Order in this Obi-Wan series, 
whether it's Cal Kestis, whether it's Sear, whether it's one of the Inquisitors. I'm very excited to see who makes the leap from video game to live action in the Star Wars universe. Pretty sure that Cameron Monaghan, who plays Cal Kestis, or at least loaned Cal Kestis's face, is available. Shameless is allegedly finally over, so he should have some time in his schedule. Last thing before we get to this Kenobi stuff, because as I said, it was Star Wars Celebration. All these people were getting interviewed. Filoni and Favreau were talking about the making of Mandalorian and how hard it is to keep things secret. And so, Maze, I don't know if you know this, they kept it a secret from everybody on set that Luke Skywalker was going to be in the season finale for season two. So you say to yourself, well, how do you have a whole script and how do you shoot around it without people knowing? And do you know what they put in the script and in the dailies to throw people off the scent? Was it Geometry Robbers or whatever the hell that code name was? <laughs> Grammar Rodeo. Grammar Rodeo? Was it the Grammar Rodeo in the script? No, it was Plo Koon. They literally created a whole fictitious timeline where the Jedi who comes and shows up to take Grogu and save them from the Dark Troopers is Plo Koon. Plo Koon, you might remember from the prequels and from the Clone Wars, who was chosen because it is known to be Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. Mm. So they thought it would be a very believable ruse if they said Plo Koon, because it makes sense, of course. Dave Filoni loves Plo Koon, and yeah, they brought him back to life. He didn't actually die when he got his starfighter shot down by Order 66 following clones. Mm-hmm. They even went as far as to have a CGI Plo Koon put on the body of Luke Skywalker <laughs> so that anyone who would find footage that was being edited, they literally paid people to create a Plo Koon, and then they referred to him as Plo Koon the whole time. The director... Favreau, Filoni, and the editor. Those are the only people who knew. Well-kept secret. I mean, it surprised the hell out of me. So imagine being a crew member on one of these shows and Luke shows up and you're like, wait, what? Imagine being (laughs) in it, not realizing what was about to happen. Very cool. The other cool thing was when they realized they were going to have Luke in there, of course, Luke travels with R2-D2 and R2-D2 is John Favreau's favorite Star Wars character. Filoni tells a story again of when R2-D2 rolls onto the set, seeing the look on Favreau's face, I looked at him and he looked like a child. You could see the little seven-year-old kid or whatever that first fell in love with that character. That's the beautiful thing about Star Wars is seeing these hugely accomplished people revert back to their childhood as they see these characters come to life right before their eyes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On a Obi-Wan. Let's do it. Deborah Chow got interviewed, of course, at Star Wars Celebration. She said she wanted to be respectful with the canon, but wanted to go into new material. And I think in the first two episodes... We got a lot of that, Maze. We're not going to go full blow by blow for you guys like we did for Book of Boba Fett. That's just for this episode because we don't want to do a two-hour episode. It's already very gracious of the Mystery Crate people to give us an extra episode this week just to get all the Star Wars stuff off of our chest. Plus, we got to turn around and do episode three (laughs) almost immediately. So let's get into the cast real quick. Let's just run it down. Deborah Chow, like you mentioned, she previously did chapter three and seven of Mandalorian season one. And then when they rolled into season two, she was already working on this show. So that's why she didn't do any of that. She's also done episodes of Better Call Saul, Mr. Robot, and Jessica Jones. We got three writers on this one. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe B. Harold. Joe B. Harold. <laughs> the guy, Richie, King Arthur movie with Charlie Hunnam. That's on his resume. Hossein Amini, Drive, Snow White and the Huntsman, 47 Ronin, and Stuart Beatty, Pirates of the Caribbean, Collateral, and G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. So we got three accomplished film writers all teaming up for this series. Then the cast, of course. Ewan McGregor is back as Obi-Wan. He's the engine that makes this whole thing go. Did you see any of those memes, I mean, of how does Obi-Wan go from Ewan McGregor in this series to Alec Guinness in 10 years? Yeah. Must be stressed, man. <laughs> what a hard aging. Gonna wipe that hair out. Rupert Friend is the Grand Inquisitor. You know him as Quinn from Homeland. Sung Kang is fifth brother. He's Han from the Fast and Furious franchise. Moses Ingram is the third sister, a.k.a. Reva. She was Jolene in Queen's Gambit, which was a great show two years ago. Jolene, Jolene. Benny Safdie is the Jedi on the run. Nari (laughs) is one half of the Safdie brothers who directed Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. And he is also in Licorice Pizza. (laughs) Joel Edgerton and Jimmy Smits are back as Uncle Owen and Bail Organa, respectively. Good for them getting those checks. We briefly see our guy Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. What's he doing? I mean, is he chilling in his Bacta? He is chilling in his Bacta, and he looks like he just woke up. So shout out to Anakin slash Darth Vader. You missed Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, we're getting to him because he doesn't show up till the second episode. Oh. There's also Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers as Vect No Crew. I mean, I got to say, this just reminded me of Michael Rooker and the Ravagers yes. and Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Down to the look, right? Yeah, that's why they cast him, <laughs> I think. And in the second episode, we, of course, get Jacked Kumail <laughs> as Haja Estri. You know him from Silicon Valley, The Eternals, and Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia Organa, who we will discuss at length, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, bingo! You're not going to go to caps. <laughs> oh, my God. Young Frank Dukes has a sister, ladies and gentlemen. 
Oh, man. So broad brush strokes here, Maze. Full disclosure, you sent me a text after, I believe, as you saw the first one. It's true. First episode, pretty boring. <laughs> that was Maze. That was it in a nutshell. I mean. I'm going to tell you what, man. I'm glad you sent that because when I watched it. I lowered the expectations for you. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, this is fun. I like where this is going. I like the idea that part of it is Obi-Wan is trying to be like this doting absentee godfather or whatever. By the way, did you see what the little toy he left that he got from the Jawa was? Oh, yeah. T-16 Skyhopper, I mean. Yep, and that's the same one that Luke plays with as a grown-ass 17-year-old. Years and years later, he's playing with him. Yep. In retrospect, you're like, you child, like, what are you doing? I like that. I like the idea of him kind of being around and, and Uncle Owen being like, dude, scram. Like, we don't want you here. And it's fun because obviously I'm one of the people who I've been running around for years saying that Obi-Wan and Yoda pretty much screwed everything up. A lot of this shit is their fault. They were just terrible at it. And people are like, no, Obi-Wan's cool, blah, blah, blah. And so it's fun to finally see on the screen someone who agrees with me. Uncle Owen is like, bug off, buzzer off. Like you trained his father is so cold a lot. Yeah. It's savage. Yep. Because it's true. That was Owen's cousin. Yep. He had to see all that happen. But pretty boring. The first episode, I've gotten really, really focused on episode number. So we only have six episodes in this show. Episode rollout. So they did this weird thing where they dropped two on a Friday, and then the third one is coming on a Wednesday. Very strange. And then where they place us in the action. So we get this... Cold open with Order 66, which establishes the stakes once again, I guess. But we literally just saw it with Grogu. Yeah, I think it's just the same thing as that. It's reiterating everybody. Look, Order 66 didn't kill everybody, right? Beyond, obviously, Obi-Wan and Yoda and now Grogu that we know, and Cal Kestis and Kanan Jarrus and Ahsoka. I guess that list is a lot longer than I thought. It's a long list, but it's just to reestablish the stakes and the timeline and all that. Yes. This is what we're doing. We're looking for lost Jedis. And then I did enjoy Ewan's performance as the older, washed Obi-Wan. Yeah, man. Working that production line, cutting up that giant Nibre Manta meat. It looked pretty good. You know, it's fatty tuna. Great marbling. Nice marbling on it. Digging that. It felt very patient. And then all of the Obi-Wan stuff, he's just hanging out until things start to get a little more serious at the end. It was a combination of almost nothing happening with Obi-Wan and then the introduction of young Leia. To me, that first episode, obviously the introduction of the Inquisitors, Great exposition by Rupert Friend, just explaining. Oh, he's the grand expositioner is what he is. <laughs> Same note too, bro. And of course, Obi-Wan, how deep into his undercover work? Because I walked into this believing two things. Obi-Wan's undercover, but you know he's just waiting for the right time for the boy to mature to the point where he can teach him what he needs to know or whatever. And then two, that Obi-Wan knows that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. And two things that episode one taught me was, one, I don't think this is like a deep undercover thing. I think my man is truly like, oh, fuck, I really fucked this whole thing up. And two, both him and Uncle Owen think Anakin's dead. Yep. They don't know that Darth Vader is Anakin. And so I really got deep into reading up Maze about who knew that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker. And it turns out, the Emperor kept this thing a secret on purpose because the mystery part of it was part of the fear factor beyond obviously Vader being terrifying. 
because of his power, but it was also the mystery portion of it. So there were rumors that Vader was like an invention. He wasn't real or that he was real, but he was a machine. He wasn't a person, part clone and part droid. That he was a grammar rodeo. Yeah, he's a grammar rodeo, exactly. And so the people who knew prior to obviously the series happening were the Inquisitors, the Emperor, and maybe like two other people. Thrawn was one of them. And Thrawn figured it out because he's just too smart. He like did the math. He's like, yo, you're Anakin Skywalker. And Vader's like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And (laughs) And Tarkin suspected it, but never got confirmation. The reason Tarkin suspected it was because of certain mannerisms and also certain strategic things that Vader would do was very similar to what Anakin would do when he was a general leading the clone army. So when Reva yells at Obi-Wan and says, he's coming for you, that's Obi-Wan figuring out, oh shit, that's him? And then he searches his feelings and makes contact at the end of the episode. Which is, uh... Yeah, I know that this series instantly becomes a deal breaker to you if one particular thing happens. And they're definitely headed that way right now. Uh, are they? Man, I, mean, I just feel like... That's how it seemed to me. There are two things that happen that would completely contradict Deborah Chow's thing about we took great care towards the canon, right? One is if those two meet, yep. which as you said, it looks like we're setting up for a showdown. But the other is Reva killing the Grand Inquisitor. Well, that felt like a last Jedi, we're just going to kill Snoke now type thing, where it's just, let's kill the past. <laughs> let's ruin what we know and what we expected to be more of a setup. But it can't be more than expected. We know this guy exists because he hunts the rebels on Lothal. He hunts Kanan Jarrus and Ezra Bridger and all that. We know this. We saw this. So in order for him to die in that moment, they will have completely just invalidated four seasons of canon in Star Wars Rebels. I'm inclined to not think he's dead. I think he's alive. Much like I'm inclined to believe that Obi-Wan and Vader never will actually meet. They'll come close. We'll have a lot of force time interactions like that, but we won't have to actually see them meet, hopefully. I think there's some creative leeway they could have with the Grand Inquisitor thing. They could have a replacement, like a clone of some kind. They could bring out a trick there that I think would be cool. But the Vader and Obi-Wan coming face-to-face thing, they had Ewan McGregor talking about how impactful the scenes with Anakin were. It's like, okay, something's happening. They're going to do something. <laughs> like I said, I'm hoping it's forced time. I'm hoping that's where they get creative. You don't have to get creative with Grand Inquisitor. Just be like, yeah, he's not dead. He's just bleeding out or whatever. But the flesh wound? Yeah. <laughs> but with Vader and Obi-Wan, I can't have them. I can't have them meet. I can't have them meet, man. When I first heard Kumail Nanjiani is going to be in this, I was like, guys, what kind of casting is this? I was really kind of like, I don't know. I'm not trying. What are y'all trying to goofball this thing up? But. I was pleasantly surprised, Maze. Oh, I was fine with him. I love Kumail. And he's Jack now, so he can be in this, and it's credible. It's fantastic. I thought they were going to make him like a Jedi. I like that he's a con man. Exactly. He's doing all the tricks. He's got the magnets. Ryan Reynolds would be proud, you know? Yep. I was very, very pleased with that. I thought Moses Ingram as Reva was phenomenal as this loose cannon. Yeah, reckless. She's from the streets, I mean. Dude, I'm telling you, on the Bomb podcast that I do over in the Count the Dinks network, we've been watching the HBO series We Own This City, Mm -hmm. which is about police in Baltimore. And I'm watching the Inquisitors. I'm like, these are like cops. They're shaking people down and intimidation 
she is behaving exactly like a police officer. <laughs> it's like a real life police officer. So that was great character development and writing. Yeah, I'm a fan of her character. I think that she's proving to be a pretty noble sub boss because mm-hmm. Vader is the real deal. But it'll be compelling to watch her hunt obi-wan and she's obsessed with him and she's carrying all this baggage and she gets to drop the reveal that it's anakin so she's off to a great start i agree with that let's get to the nitty-gritty so obi-wan's riding across the dune sea benny safty runs up on him and says obi-wan and obi-wan's like you must have me confused with someone else which May, did you watch the Gerard Carmichael stand-up? I did. You remember the part where he finds out that his dad was cheating on his mom with his best friend's mom? Mm-hmm. And so his best friend's, <laughs> yeah, your dad was at my house. Like, yeah. and The weird thing was, he acted like I didn't know him. <laughs> and when I asked him what his name was, he said, Jerry Rice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. When Obi-Wan's like, uh, you have the wrong person. My name is... Ben. Like, yeah. like, that's the best you could come up with? <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious because obviously we know that's his alter ego, but it definitely seemed like he just came up with that on the spot. Terrible, terrible witness protection name for Obi-Wan Kenobi. My name is Han and I like to fly by <laughs> myself. <laughs> he, uh, 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 Tear uh, gr- Griffin. <laughs> Eventually, he tells Benny Safdie, you want my advice? live a regular life, take that lightsaber, bury it deep in the desert. I was like, oh, this dude is really like broken. And it isn't until he gets the message from Jimmy Smits, a.k.a. Senator Organa of the planet Alderaan, that young Leia has been kidnapped. Wow, where have I heard this plot line before? That's weird. Seems really familiar. There's a princess. She's kidnapped. Yeah. Huh. I did like that Flea and Reva have no idea that this is a Skywalker child. They're just doing it as bait for Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan and Bail Organa used to hang out sometimes. Yep. Seems like a little bit of a leap, but okay. The other thing I found interesting was that it's known that Leia is adopted. I didn't know that. I thought everyone just kind of figured she was Bail Organa's daughter. I guess it would have been kind of obvious that the mom was never pregnant and when they She's got a baby on her, but... Hey, man, Stranger Things have happened. Stranger Things Season 4. Out now. Can we talk about this kidnapping scene, I mean? If they knew that she couldn't run, why did they make her run? She runs so much. She's running two episodes so far. It's been a key plot point is her running. She is running three miles an hour, and we've got these fake Ravagers tripping over each other, trying to catch her. It's ridiculous maze it's not that she runs slow although that is part of it it's that she runs like someone who doesn't run yeah because she's a child no there's some children that run their asses off man it's not tom cruise out there man she's a 10 year old (laughs) kid and she's supposed to be dodging these fools yeah all right just let her get kidnapped or if you're gonna have a run have a lot of close cuts so that we really can't see her running style. This felt like the Power Rangers on their Vespas oh, yeah. chasing all over Moss Espa all over again, man. At two miles an hour, idling on, right? But also, third of all, and probably most importantly, how about this? How about you cast a kid who can run? How about you cast a kid who can do anything? <laughs> oh, wow. Are you giving her ass on? For her performance? Oh, I mean, one of my favorite tropes in all of 
television and movies. Precocious youth. It's like Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry <laughs> Maguire. She just says stuff that sounds like it was obviously written by adults right. because it's so wise and insightful. <laughs> oh, it's just such a fun bit. Because get it? Young Leia is cool. I think they went over the top trying to convince us. And Star Wars has been guilty of that recently, of trying too hard to compensate for i would very openly say elements of its fan base that are incredibly misogynistic Mm. in order to counteract that part of it like they go super hard on some of the stronger moral messaging there i just felt like it was unnecessary it's fine to have her as a character and as a MacGuffin to get the plot going it makes sense in the way that we know that leia knows about obi-wan because she obviously sends the message looking for him and it's a thing that would motivate him to go so i get that but they do not need this much screen time with her it's not like they got the girl from game of thrones who just came in and stole the show bella from bear island and she's just the leader of bear island and it's great right this did not work it was not executed so it was just really confusing and it seems like she's going to be around for the run of the show so let me ask you do you think we're going to see any luke well okay so that's the thing that was even more confusing i mean is that allegedly when they were first developing this as a movie or as a show it was going to be focused on obi-wan and luke And that they went away from that because they thought the Mandalorian did too much of the lone wolf and cub dynamic. Right. But then they just switch Luke for Leia and they're still doing that dynamic. It doesn't make any sense. Again, like we said, I think she's a MacGuffin. I think she's a reason for all of this stuff to happen and not necessarily a relationship. I hope so. Although a relationship must exist. Oh, no, you know what? No, a relationship doesn't exist because the message that she sends in A New Hope is a very, I don't know who you are, but apparently you were friends with my dad. A vague memory, yes. Years ago, you fought in the Clone Wars. You helped my father. So, yeah, man, I don't think they actually have to have a great relationship, even though there definitely is that stupid dynamic where I don't get why she ran away from him. Because she saw him on a wanted poster? Like, I just, uh, I didn't understand that. Just another dumbass reason for her to be running around, I mean. You know what the best part about Baby Yoda is? Doesn't talk? He doesn't talk. Yeah. He just looks cute and eats shit <laughs> and uses the force. It's a perfect dynamic. It's a perfect recipe. He's escalated to eating monkeys now, apparently, in that Mandalorian season three. He's hungry! Hey, man. That dude could put it away. Last thing I wanted to bring up here, Maze, from the first two episodes, something that I very much enjoyed, is Obi-Wan travels. Well, he basically is convinced by Bail Organa that you have a responsibility to this daughter as well, Leia, as well as Luke, because Obi-Wan's like, look, I got to watch Luke, so I can't do anything. And Bail Organa's like, no, man, like, you got to watch them both. And I don't trust anyone else to do this but you. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the CD city on the planet Dayu. And while he's walking down the streets of Dayu, we get a clone trooper veteran who is panhandling. Yep. Loved it. It's Timur Morrison with a lot of gray, scraggly hair. Sick beard. Looking like a Vietnam vet, man. Yeah. Things that you don't think about. But yeah, of course, it had to exist, right? 
where these guys who were once the pride of the Republic are now made obsolete. They've got nowhere to go or nothing to do. Just kind of reduced to a bum on the street. In the Spice District where we've got oh, yeah. Kessel Pure, Glitter Stim, and Felution Spice. I mean, I'm oh, more of a Felution sh- Spiceman myself. I don't know about you. You got to go with Kessel, man. That's the good stuff. Felution is like what you do on a Karelian shipyard and you, you can't afford the Kessel. That's when you get the pollution. Everybody's got their own preferences. But one thing that I know I need to point out, because you haven't seen the John Wick movies, dead John Wick ripoff when they do the mass alert and everybody's getting the ping that they're looking for Obi-Wan because they're in this area that's a little more like there are no rules here you know so everybody's a assassin looking for him that's very john wick didn't that happen in the mandalorian in season one all the guild members start getting the ping that like mando is fair game and guess what they ripped it off a john wick then too wow yeah about that but i like the second episode a lot better even though we did get another pretty bad rooftop chase this just seems to not really be their thing is these action sequences, but I like the look of Dayu. I enjoy what they're doing with Riva. It was a good surprise to have her stab the Grand Inquisitor, whether he's dead or not. I'm into it. And Obi-Wan's back in the game. He's getting his skills back slowly. He's shaking off the rust. And we probably got some good fights in our future. I have that to look forward to as well. Including Obi-Wan using... A primitive weapon like a blaster. Yeah. But that. He really contradicted himself on that one, didn't he? Turns out he's just full of shit. Yeah. Old man who's full of shit. Turns out that he's not so smooth as he once thought. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Rule of Two Maze. Stay tuned for what will become a recurring thing on the regular Friday episode of Mystery Crate. We're going to be reviewing episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So have no fear. We'll do more of the Easter egg stuff moving on here for the rest of the season. For my apprentice, Anthony Mays, I am Darth Amin. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, time of the Jedi is over. But the time of this podcast has just begun. this Leia kid. <laughs> they gotta bench this Leia They kid. gotta bench her, dude. Get her back to Alderaan and get her out of the game for the last three. I did not need this. It was so discouraging. Duncan Robinson. <laughs> He's gonna Duncan Robinson. Yeah, she can be a 90 mil, 90 mil DNP. I don't care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.